Welcome to Everyday Nonviolence. This podcast is produced by Friends for a Nonviolent World, or FNVW. FNVW champions nonviolence as the foundation for effective programs and actions to promote the dignity of every human being. The Everyday Nonviolence podcast highlights people in our community who are using the principles and practices of nonviolence to transform themselves and the world around us. Their stories deepen our understanding of the impact of violence and the many ways nonviolence can be used for healing and social change. Every year, the United States celebrates Martin Luther King Jr. Day in honor of MLK's life and legacy. The gains made by the civil rights movement under his leadership are a powerful example of what can be accomplished through strategic nonviolent action. But how much do we really know about MLK and the nonviolent activism of the civil rights movement? How do we continue to move Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s vision forward in our world today? In this series of short episodes, we'll be exploring the six principles of Kingian nonviolence which were the underlying moral values and beliefs that guided MLK's life and activism. Each episode in this series will focus on one of the six principles of Kingian nonviolence. Welcome to episode one, Nonviolence is a Way of Life for Courageous People. I'm your host, Jaron Peterson-Dean. I'm here with Peter Digitali Anderson, Program Director, and the Director of Formation at Peace Catalyst International. Peter coaches peace builders in conflict transformation, nonviolence, trauma resiliency, dialogue skills, and more. He will be our guide as we seek a deeper understanding of the nonviolent principles and practices that were so integral to MLK's life and leadership. Welcome, Peter. Thanks for having me, Jaren. We're glad to have you. We have so much to learn from the life and legacy of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Can you tell us a little bit about how King understood nonviolence? Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is a widely quoted and yet commonly misunderstood figure. In his time, King was seen as a threat. He was a problem that disrupted society. Nowadays, he's often spoken at very superficially as a symbol of unity in our country. So all that to say, there are a lot of opinions out there about what King intended and how he understood nonviolence. So I'm coming to this conversation through a specific tradition. The Kingian nonviolence curriculum, which I've been studying with Church of the Brethren organization called On Earth Peace. The Kingian nonviolence curriculum was created by civil rights activists, uh, David Jensen and Bernard Lafayette. Lafayette was a very close Um, associate and advisor to King. So Kingian nonviolence, this particular approach to it, is their attempt to systematize and pass on the collective nonviolent wisdom of both Dr. King and many other figures of the civil rights movement so they can kind of move into our institutions and our cultures and our way of doing things today. So coming from that specific tradition, Kingian nonviolence is an approach to community organizing and activism that's rooted in a spirit of agape love and reconciliation. It's an approach to conflict in general. It views conflict as an opportunity rather than a problem to solve. 
And at its heart, Kingian nonviolence is about seeing nonviolence as both a moral philosophy, how do we see ourselves in relationship to other people, and it's a practical methodology. In Kingian nonviolence, we call this the skill and the will. The will being the philosophy of why are we doing this, and the skill being how do we actually make it happen. King wrote a lot about his own journey to nonviolence. He has an article in chapter one of his books called The Pilgrimage to Nonviolence, where he talks about the many different influences that brought him into this. Um, and he learned from Christian pacifism and pacifist writers like Tolstoy and Thoreau, as well as nonviolence activists and leaders like Gandhi. Um, he went to India and learned from Gandhi's movement at one point. And I think a lot of this idea of nonviolence is both a moral conviction and an effective skill set for creating change reflects well King's own understanding of what nonviolence was. Do you have any advice for people who maybe have the will for change, but not necessarily the skills? At least in my experience, developing the will for nonviolence is a harder journey. It involves finding the community. It involves finding the stories, the narratives, the ways of seeing yourself in relation to others. That takes a lot of heart change. Once that heart change is there, there are a lot of people in a lot of organizations, both officially and unofficially, like that are they're teaching this new way of being in relationship with others. And whether that's like actual relation skills of how do you show up in your family or with your friends, or activist skills of how do you show up in social movements and create social change. The skills are there. So no excuses for us, right? None. <laughs> Can you tell us? What is the first principle of Kingian nonviolence? Absolutely. King has six principles of nonviolence. And the way that I'm phrasing these are the way that they are taken specifically from the Kingian nonviolence curriculum. These principles have gotten inherited in different ways. So sometimes you'll find the wording differently elsewhere. So the first principle of Kingian nonviolence is nonviolence is a way of life for courageous people. One of the ways we can understand that nonviolence is a positive force confronting the forces of injustice, utilizing the righteous indignation and the spiritual, emotional, and intellectual capabilities of people as the vital force for change and reconciliation. How would you say you've applied this principle in your own life? This principle is probably the reason I'm committed to nonviolence today. So I grew up in, in a culture that glorified military heroes and absolutely lifted up this myth of redemptive violence, of violence is how we can solve things and make things better. And for a long time, I thought that's how I was going to make the world better. I had a long standing vision of like, I'm going to be a career officer in the military and I'm going to protect freedom and, and help vulnerable people around the world in this role as an American hero, using violence to make things right. That was, in my mind, the only courageous thing to do in the face of violence and oppression. I thought pacifism and I thought nonviolence, I thought they were weak and selfish ways that were only done by people who are too afraid to fight, who didn't have the strength, who didn't have the will to stand up for what was right. And it wasn't until I learned about the stories of nonviolent activists who boldly put themselves in harm's way, that includes King, that includes Gandhi, that includes Christian pacifist martyrs. Um, I have a lot of connection with Anabaptist Mennonite and Brethren traditions. That includes modern groups like community peacemaker teams or nonviolent peace force. 
once I saw that there were examples of people who were being courageous to resist injustice and still doing it in a way that was loving their enemy, that's when nonviolence seemed like a choice that I could consider. How would you define courage? In this context, I'd say courage is about having the strength to stand up for what's right or having the strength to do something that is difficult or dangerous, knowing you could be harmed, knowing you might fail, and doing it because it's what's right anyway. Peter, can you give us a reflection question for our listeners to think about that ties to this first principle? This principle teaches us that nonviolence is addressing conflict and injustice while trying to love those on the other side is a hard and brave thing to do. It's not for the faint of heart. And that's true whether we're in the midst of a war zone or facing widespread social corruption or having risky conversations with our own friends and family in our own immediate relationships. So with that in mind, what are some conflicts or injustices happening in your own relationships or your community? And what is one step that you might take to courageously and nonviolently work for positive change? Well, that definitely gives us a lot to think about. Thank you so much, Peter. Thank you very much. I've been talking with Peter Digitali Anderson. You can find more information about Peace Catalyst International, including upcoming workshops on nonviolence and conflict transformation at www.peacecatalyst.org. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Everyday Nonviolence. To learn more about Friends for a Nonviolent World, visit our website at fnvw.org or call 651-917-0383. We hope you will subscribe so that you don't miss future episodes and insightful conversations. Please note that the views expressed in this podcast are those of the host and guest and are not intended to reflect the official positions of FNVW, its staff, or board of directors.